Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Democrats can't solve any real problems, so they solve non-existent problems and try to convince you they're making a big difference. And as usual, our Republican senator was right there to help him in the process. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Kevins here. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey today. So yesterday, 12 Republicans teamed up with all 50 Democrats in order to repeal the Defense of Marriage Act and guarantee that, according to The Hill, valid marriages are given full faith and credit in other states, regardless of sex or race. And if you're saying to yourself, well, Rob, the Supreme Court several years ago already said that people could marry whoever they wanted to marry, and they had a right to do that, and the government could not discriminate against that, you would be correct. And in the list of Republicans who teamed up with the Democrats to pass a law that says exactly what the Supreme Court already says was the law, they are names that might ring a bell as, well, really staunch conservatives who have always stood on the side of liberty and freedom and limiting the... Oh, wait, they haven't ever done that at all. Susan Collins, Rob Portman, Tom Tillis... Roy Blunt, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Cynthia Loomis, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Dan Sullivan, and, well, last but certainly not least, the Duke of Spendingburg, Todd Young. Now, Ethan, you think that the government passing a law that the Supreme Court already said was the law, was a great use of time and resources. You think this was a great job by the Duke of Spendingburg and the Democrats, Schumer. Uh, well, now, Rob, I feel like you, of all people, should understand the intellectual distinction between passing a law and a Supreme Court ruling. The Supreme Court is part of the judicial branch, and uh-huh. as I understand it, they do not create law. They rule on the constitutionality of law, and in the Loving v. Virginia case of 1967 you're referring to, they overturned states discriminating against interracial marriage or making laws on that basis. But it was not codified Ethan, the Supreme Court already said you cannot discriminate based on sex on how people marry. The Supreme Court also said the Supreme Court also said in Roe versus Wade that you do not have the right to infringe on per- people's uh, privacy, but then that decision was overturned very recently in the Dobbs decision. So, therefore, it's incumbent on, upon the Congress to codify these matters as a it, matter of law, while the Supreme Court has still made the ruling that's considered valid. So you, so you, as a man who knows and reveres the Constitution, know that there are 18 things, 18-ish things, that the federal government is allowed to do per the U.S. Constitution. They are called the enumerated powers. And in the enumerated powers, I asked you, I gave you a homework assignment. Could you show me in the enumerated powers where marriage is listed anywhere, be it gay marriage, straight marriage, any sort of marriage in any shape, form, or fashion that the federal government should have any role in marriage? And I apply this to the law that they, I guess, repealed, which is the Defense 
Progressive Marriage Act. Can you tell me in the enumerated powers clause, the 18 things the federal government specifically, 18-ish things that the federal government is specifically supposed to do where marriage is listed in any of those things? Can we agree that in part of the enumerated powers in Article 5 that- No, no, no. It's a very simple question. Do you see marriage in the enumerated powers anywhere? I mean, there's coinage and declaring war and you know all sorts of very specific things. Is marriage anywhere in those 18, 18-ish things? You could say that about interracial marriage as well. So are, you take, about, are you taking up the position of uh, our Senator Mike Braun, who also said that interracial marriage should no, be a matter left to the I'm states? I'm saying marriage, period. The Supreme, Court, the Supreme, the Supreme <laughs> Court has that. said, and the point of this is the federal government cannot solve any actual problems. There are a gajillion problems facing our society right now. Can we agree on that? Yes, yes or no? Yes. There are a gajillion things. The price of gas, the price of food, the border. The Constitution as a document exists to defend individual liberty, yeah. and I am thrilled when, as a matter of law, the government recognizes individuals' ability to act freely. That thrills me, Rob, and I'm surprised you're not on board with that. The government already did that. The Supreme Court has already said you have the right to do this. So, again, you can't tell Tell me in the enumerated powers where it says that the government has the right. The 14th Amendment no, no, no. guarantees Ethan, due process. This was a very simple homework assignment, and I'm very sad that you have apparently not fulfilled the homework assignment because Rob, this is what happens. The, Ethan. Rob, the Ethan, Constitution st- grants us the ability to amend the Constitution, and the 14th Amendment to said Constitution guarantees equal protection under the law, and the Supreme which, Court has ruled. Which is what the that, Supreme Court ruled. That includes interracial and same-sex marriage amongst a litany of other freedoms. Uh, and and this, this is what amazes me, that you as a limited government person want the federal government weighing in on issues that they are not given the authority to weigh in on when the Supreme Court hasn't rightfully so. They said, were expressly given the authority to do so because the 14th Amendment grants the Congress rights, the, the legislative right to uphold that law. Well, and this is an area where we're just going to have to disagree. I was surprised the way you came down on this, but reasonable people can disagree. And this is why the federal government is involved in nine trillion things that they're not supposed to be involved in because there are things... Wait, wait. I I give you your chance to speak that when we give on things because we like the idea of them, they just keep going forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's why we are where we are today. Limiting people's freedom to marry... No one's limiting anyone's freedom. Nobody... Limiting people's freedom to marry whom they wish is not only an abridgment of the 14th Amendment, as held by the Supreme Court, but I would go so far as to say is also an abridgment of the First Amendment, which guarantees that the Congress shall make no law restricting people's freedom of association or right to worship as they wish. And there are many religions, whether you agree with them or not, which recognize the validity of homosexual marriage. So to issue licenses to same-sex or interracial couples, but not homosexual couples, is an abridgment of their constitutional freedom, of the constitutional freedoms, Rob. Now you just hit the nail on the head, Ethan, which is no one should have to have a license to be married. It is not the government's role, period, whether you're gay, you're straight, you're bisexual, whatever you are. The government should not license you to have a marriage. And what this act is saying is, once again, the government is having more control, or it is giving the government more control over the ability to regulate. If a wishes marriage, and nuts were candies and butts, we'd all have a man, uh, candies and nuts, then we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But Rob, as a matter of law, the government is already involved in the institution of marriage. So if you wish to change that you have to change it as a matter of law and not discriminate against one particular group that you have. But that's uh, not, uh, but that's uh, not, but that's not what this <laughs> did. What you're get you are giving the government a marriage, whether you're gay, straight, bi, whatever you are. 
your sex, your color, whatever, is a union between you and a church. It is. It should. It should be. Should be a religious act between you and whatever faith you have and you and your partners and that faith. But we have, for some reason, given the government permission to to oversee and overlord over this that they have no permission to do. And this, to me, is another great example. And I say this for the original Defense of Marriage Act is the same thing. This is not a gay or straight argument. It's an argument of we keep giving these people power they don't deserve and then patting them on the back for the power they don't deserve for doing Doing something that didn't fix or change anything when they're not actually fixing or changing the things that are right in front of us that they have the power to do. Codifying and recognizing liberty as a matter of law is not offensive to me. I, d- I defend and conserve liberty as one of my conservative values. All right, we'll leave it there. All right, when we come back, we've got some great audio from Sebastian Gorka. For those of you people who have been mad, saying we've been too anti-Trump this, we're bashing Trump that, we're going to play you some audio of Sebastian Gorka defending Trump and going after Fox News. It's coming up next, Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. All right, for all you people that have been mad that we're being mean to Donald Trump, this segment is for you. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Ethan Hatcher's in for uh, Casey today. Kevin's here. Real quick, before we play this audio of Sebastian Gorka going after Fox News and basically kind of going after DeSantis, new poll out shows that Trump still holds a 14-point edge on DeSantis in a potential uh, 2024 matchup. It's a Politico morning consult poll, uh, 47% for Trump. 33% for DeSantis and right where he belongs in a very distant third, Mike Pence at 5%. What? Who the hell was their sample base? Uh, Let's see. What did they say? Does it say in here who it was? Yes, it does. Uh, uh, 1,983 registered voters after Election Day. A two-point margin of error. That's pretty good. Uh, However, this was a dramatic increase for DeSantis. DeSantis up seven points. Trump basically the same. He's down a point. November 2 through 7, Trump had a 22-point lead. So, obviously, DeSantis on the move, according to this one survey of people post-election day. Trajectory is very important to factor in, uh, so that's that's a good move for DeSantis, but I'm nevertheless disheartened by Trump remaining so popular after taking a shellacking with his endorsements during the midterm, it seems, as though Republican voters, or at least uh, those re- Republican voters, um, have not learned lessons from the uh, election. There, There's an old, there's a line from a song, Ethan, years ago, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And the same thing is, yeah, Kevin, like that little ACDC action in there yeah, for I you, like Kevin. Yeah, like that reference. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the same thing is true for president. It's You are not instantaneously in one day going to pull off 30% of people who for six years have been wed to a guy. And we're seeing it on, on our show, right? You're seeing people over time. The midterms, again, was a big chunk of people who are coming to the realization that Trump has serious flaws in terms of his electability, his ability to sway independent thinkers and win back people who otherwise might vote Republican. But it's not going to happen over time. Seven points is a lot in a week, man. Sure. I mean, if you... Trajectory is important. DeSantis did well. For a a guy who hasn't even declared he's running for president. Uh, But Sebastian Gorka, he was a part of Trump's uh, administration. Uh, You see him now. He endorses, it seems like, everything under the sun uh, on various cable news channels. 
uh, went after Rupert Murdoch because Rupert Murdoch came out and said, I'm not with Trump this time. Fox is basically not going to be an arm of uh, Trump campaign as we previously have been. And so Sebastian Gorka went at Murdoch and what he perceives as Fox News's Trump uh, support of DeSantis instead of Trump. And he's doing it again. He's not doing it for the money and he's not doing it for fame. He's doing it because he loves America. And I know something about journalistic professionalism. I know one thing for sure, Rob. Newsmax isn't going to choose a candidate for no. the American people. Not now, not ever. We, we are two years away from an election. What the hell is Fox doing going crazy for Ron DeSantis or anybody else? Exactly. There's, a, there's a really cool thing we do in America. And as an immigrant, I like to remind Fox News, it's called primaries. Last time we had 17 candidates and the toughest guy, the last man standing, became the president. How about the American people choose our nominee and not the Murdochs? I think there are a lot of people who are going to vote for Trump based on the fact of they believe he got screwed, right? And sure. they got screwed by default of him getting screwed. And it's going to be very hard to convince those people, no matter what Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Gnome or whoever brings the table to, to peel those people up. I don't know. But here's the question. Is that 20%? Is it 15%? Is it 25%? Is it 30%? I, I, I don't know what the... And that's, I think, what's going to determine how this primary process shakes out. I feel like it's a faulty premise to suggest that the media selects any candidate. Ultimately, yes, they favor or disfavor some with their showering of attention. But as 2016 showed, you can overcome the greatest and most vociferous of media opposition. So that's kind of a faulty premise. Well, and I, there is irony in that, too, right? In the sense of Trump, especially in the Republican primary, won that Republican primary because he was covered 24 hours hours a day, seven days a week. And and I think a big part of this and the media, like many media outlets did not cover Trump's uh, announcement or they didn't cover all of Trump's announcement, including the many conservative outlets, not because they're anti-Trump. Now, obviously, CBS, NBC, ABC are anti-Trump. But he doesn't move the needle anymore like he did in the beginning because it's- They're pro ratings. Right. We, we've, ta <laughs> we've, we've talked about this. You know, when you go see someone, uh, you know, for our younger listeners, when you go see someone who has a brand new album out that's super, you know, hip or some great song that the radio stations are playing, it's new, right? Like you want to see them play your favorite song. And the artists who continue to draw crowds for years and years and years and years, look, and we're going to get to Taylor Swift in the next hour. The reason nobody can get t tickets to Taylor Swift, look, I think it's ridiculous, but she puts out songs every time about ex-boyfriends that scorned women love to listen to. And she keeps putting out those same songs and people keep buying them and they're good enough that people want to hear them. If Bruce Springsteen had stopped with Born to Run, nobody would want to see him. The people want to see what is new and fresh. And Trump is like the guy who had the one mega hit who just keeps playing the same song. And there's always going to be people still show up to see Rick Springfield. People still want to sing Jesse's Girl. But... He's not playing Gainbridge Fieldhouse. He's playing the Vogue. He's not Donald Trump. He's right. Don McLean. Right. You're right. Perfect <laughs> example, right? I mean, the, 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 the difference is Donald Trump is becoming the Don McLean. He's becoming Rick Springfield. He's becoming the guy with, you know, the one or two songs that the diehards want to come and sing along with. And you're never going to convince the diehards that Jesse's Girl isn't the greatest song in the history of ever. But... There's not enough people to go see Rick Springfield in Gainbridge, in Gainbridge Fieldhouse. I also think the uh, comparison is apropos because I do think Donald Trump is one of those good old boys drinking whiskey and rye. <laughs> uh, real quick, 
Tucker Carlson made a great point the other night on his show, regardless of what your opinion of Trump is, whether you're pro-Trump, anti-Trump, pro-DeSantis, whatever, it is ridiculous that a guy who will be a major contender for president of the United States is not on Twitter and for and and for most of social media, and it is absolutely ridiculous, and he should totally be back there. Tucker Carlson made some, some great points on this. Now, you, that's an interesting idea. You may like it. You may not like it. By the way, you may like Trump. You may not like Trump. You could be a Democrat who lives to despise him. You could be a Republican who prefers Ron DeSantis. There are many of both of those categories. You may be someone who love him. It doesn't really matter what you think of Trump or his policies on Fennel or anything else. If you're an American, you have to acknowledge that in order for our democracy to function, candidates for office, political candidates, have to be allowed to speak in public. If they can't speak in public, this can't be a democracy by definition. And yet here you have Twitter banning Trump. He's still banned, despite Elon Musk's takeover. Trump is still banned from Twitter tonight, one of our premier social media platforms. Parler, you'll remember, was pulled off the internet for giving Donald Trump an account. Now, at the time, people read those as offenses against Trump. We're sick of Trump, make him shut up. But they're more than that. They're attacks on our system. They're attacks on democracy. They're attacks on the possibility of a free society. So you have to wonder now, where are the defenders of democracy? People were yelling last week about democracy's dying. If they're not calling for Trump to be replatformed, you will know for certain they're not defenders of democracy. They're totalitarians. Huh? Uh, well, look, Twitter. That's an overreaction. Well, uh, it, but is it? Because Twitter can do whatever it wants. Right. But it's. You what just you said it. Twitter can do whatever it, it wants. It it's nobody, a private company, and Donald Trump is no longer the president. He's just a citizen like you or I. But, Ethan, nobody's saying. He's not special. No, nobody's saying that Twitter should be fined or suspended or Elon Musk should be put in jail. Or, we're not saying that. We're not saying that there should be government intervention. What I'm saying is Gavin Newsom should have a voice. He's an interesting, viable leader in this country. Uh, Pete Buttigieg should have a voice. He's an interesting, viable leader in this country. I don't agree with any of them, them politic much of anything that they do politically. But the same reason Donald Trump should have a voice. We are better off as a society if someone like Donald Trump has a space and a voice in the platform because he is an integral part of our society right now. I think now. there's a compelling case for defending public officials' access to social media so that way they can communicate, but not when it comes to private individuals. So wait, so you, Trump, think it, you think it's a good thing that Trump has been banned from the social medias? Uh, as a private individual, as a president, I think he should still have access because that is a First Amendment But, but I'm, I'm saying right now, you, you think it is good that Donald Trump... No, I don't think it's good. I'm not a fan of the decision, but it's their right as a well, private that, corporation to do so. Ethan, and we don't know that Elon Musk won't overturn the decision. Give him some time. But that's but that's what we're saying, is that it's not that they can't, it's that they shouldn't, and I think that's what Tucker Carlson is saying. It's not okay. that you can't, it's that you shouldn't, okay. because we are better off when there are more voices, whether we agree with those voices or not, allowed to participate. As long in, as we're not talking about government interference, no, then sure, I that. agree Trump should have access. All right, take a break. Voicemail's coming up next Kendall and Casey show 93 WIBC whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you oh you're switching it up there today I see what you did trying to keep things interesting yeah I, I see there all right uh, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. The voicemail hotline is 317-684-8444. And uh, 
Well, the reason we do the voicemails, if you're new to the show, is we, we want to hear from you. But we cannot risk these fabulous ratings being turned over to just random callers. We have to put a little, little have you have a little skin in the game. Like if, if we just take your phone call and put you on the air, well, you've already gotten what you wanted and I could get nothing out of that. And so we've come up with the voicemail to say, look, if you give a good call and it's something I or we want to talk about, then we'll throw it on the air. So a little, little, you know, that's a, that's a real conservative way, a real liberty and freedom way to do phone calls. If this is, you know, this is not some government handout here. We're giving you a hand up, not a handout. You've got to demonstrate your value exactly. if you want to participate. No free rides on this fabulously rated radio show. <laughs> All right. Uh, first call. Somebody want to talk about what we talked about, began the show with today. McConnell, McCarthy, Republican Party. It's the status quo. Here we go again. Same old status quo. It looks like Kevin McCarthy is going to be leader of the House and Mitch McConnell is going to be minority leader in the Senate. The same status quo. I don't know why we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. So I don't think anything's going to change. Nothing's going to get done. I just, as a matter of fact, isn't that the, one of the definitions of definitions of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result very discouraging and then also people wonder why we call out republicans all the time well look at the stuff they're doing they're doing the same thing and nothing is going to get done anyway love the show keep up the good work it's something we talk about i know you talk about on your saturday night of the circle show what reason is there to vote for Republicans other than they might not be quite as bad as Democrats? You vote for the most qualified candidate, which is why uh, this year my ticket was very gold. Yeah, and, and, and it's the same thing with the, the local race. I mean, we, we're talking obviously about national stuff here, but it's the same thing locally. If the roles are reversed and record government and record government spending and record taxation were being done by a Democrat governor and a Democrat legislature, the Republican Party would be up in arms. They would be running ads about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yet, because they're doing it, it's okay. And they do it. And this is what people, look, you can hate me for saying this, but I'm not going to stop saying it because it's real. I've been around these people. I've worked with these people for some unknown reason. There was a period of time where they let me in their club. They do it because they don't fear you. The Republican Party, if you are a conservative, looks at you and says, you won't leave us. You won't go away. You need us because we know deep down in your core, you are a scared little boy or girl who, when you go in there to vote, will ultimately vote out of fear of the Democrat. People got mad at me several weeks ago when I did that bit about Todd Young and saying, if you're going to go and vote for Todd Young, look in the mirror and say, I'm a coward. And people got mad at me with this. You're being mean to the audience. It's the truth. Todd Young and the people around him believe that. Todd Houston and the people who run the Indiana General Assembly believe that. Eric Holcomb believed that in 2020, and he was proven correct. If you thought it was clownish and ridiculous that Bill Maher stood up in front of an audience just before the midterm elections and said, if you do not vote for Democrats, it is the deathbed of democracy should Republicans win. Look at yourself in a mirror and tell yourself that Republicans don't do exactly the same thing when they fear monger about what, the, what if Democrats yep. win election and then the Supreme Court will rewrite, re rewrite and revoke <laughs> all your freedoms. Uh, somebody called about the old boss Hogsett announcing he's uh, seeking a third term. Hey, Casey and Ken, love your show. Um, 
I see that Mayor Hogshead's running for mayor again. Uh, anything you can do from your bully pulpit to say, hey, this dude's the worst mayor ever, which he was during the riots of 2020. He was nowhere to be found, and he's just an absolute failure. So um, Briggs has an article in the paper today touting his potential legacy, which he has none. So thanks for your your help, and uh, love the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. What was I supposed to say Joe Hawks is the worst mayor ever? I think over six Safe years, I've, I think I've said that numerous times. But this is the, the uh, conversation we had yesterday, which is the Republican Party, and the irony of this is the Republican Party is inept basically through their own creation in which they had given up on Marion County to where people, the last remaining seven people with common sense, other than the Hammer family, they're, they're still here. But the majority of people have said, I'm getting out of Marion County. I'm not subjecting myself and my family to this anymore. And so all you have left are Democrats. And so the Republican Party, it's too late. It's like the war is over, right? Yeah. Because of gerrymandering on a, on, a, on a state level. It's the sacrifice district. I, exactly. And so it is the capital city, and it is going to be blue for the foreseeable future. Like, I know Abdul is thinking about, and we're going to have him on next hour, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit. I know he's looking at running for mayor, but I think even Abdul would admit if he got in there, it is an uphill of uphill chores where any Republican, not only as the last election proved to win, but even to be moderately close. I mean, Cindy Carrasco was a really good candidate. And she put the money forward to put out the advertisements and still was not competitive. Got boat raced by an unqualified prosecutor. So uh, look, you can say whatever you want. The Democrat primary is going to decide likely who the mayor is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm team Shackelford right now just because she can't be any worse than Hogshead, and if you could get a mayor, regardless of political affiliation, who will at least take crime seriously and will at least try to do something other than what's being done right now in terms of dealing with violence in the city, then that is a win for for all of us, even if she's super liberal on everything else. I think that's one of the reasons why the founders valued rotation in office, yeah. and there was they, they they did not view politics as a profession, something that you can you just stay in forever and ever and ever. Now I tried a little uh, little mind game with myself here today um, to see how good my mind still works. Normally, I write the topics down that I tell Kevin to play. I'm trying to do them straight from memory today. And I believe the next one was a guy who I have no idea what show he actually listens to, but I think (laughs) it is not this one. Go ahead. So, Kendall, you're so in the bag for Donald Trump. Would you even vote him as an independent? Because that man has done more to screw up this country, make the divide this country than any candidate or anybody in government since McCarthy. Are you really that much against anybody else running? So, the last several days, I have received a slew of hate mail from people in the YouTube chat, on Twitter, via email who have promised to never listen to this show ever again, which, of course, they're still listening because they're still commenting, because I have said Ron DeSantis would be a far better option for the Republican Party than Donald Trump. We, on a a basically daily basis, have said, and I have been saying, and even going back to when Mock was here, we were saying that Donald Trump should not be the face of the Republican Party going forward. But that guy, apparently, I don't know if he meant to call the Tony Katz show Although he said my name. He's been listening to 2018, 2019 reruns of old <laughs> Rob episodes. 
He might be from an alternate universe. You never know. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to play that because we have no idea uh, what is wrong with that person. But let me again, <laughs> let me again say it because th this guy apparently did get the memo. I want Ron DeSantis to be the Republican nominee for president. Rob, that is a hell of a skill to inspire outrage from listeners for both being too mean to Donald Trump and also being too supportive of Donald Trump. That is incredible, my friend. Uh, I have no idea what the next phone call was. I got through three of them, and now my memory's drawing a blank, but I want to get to it. So, Kevin, surprise me. On the subject of the mail-in ballots and Rob wondering what's the answer, how do you fix it uh, well maybe we should uh, us republicans that is uh figure out do an in-depth undercover investigation on how the democrats are doing it uh, this mail-in ballot and uh turn the tables on them and fight fire with fire and have republicans start doing whatever the democrats are doing to um, turn these uh, elections around and, and, and do our own shuffling of the ballots, uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, if they're breaking the law, then we can't do that. But uh, maybe we can uh, figure out what they're doing and turn the tables on them. He raises a good point, which is the Republicans have made a made it a staple of the party and the party platform and a national message that we are against mail-in balloting, we are against all these other ways that ballots are getting collected, and we're going to fight it. Well, clearly in these states where it remains the law, your fighting of it doesn't do any good because it is the law and the other side is going to do it. They've really got to learn to try to embrace this in some capacity, Ethan. I don't know what that means. I'm not sitting here saying, man, I have all the answers to this. But the idea that you just say, well, we're against it, well, that's costing you elections. Yeah. And winning elections, of course, is the uh, it's the goal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Hammer will join us next. Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Question. Yes, sir. I was told there's going to be a PETA protest going on at 11:45 on the Circle. Would you like to go out there and grill some brats and uh, <laughs> steaks and tailgate that thing with me? Was it in the movie PCU where the PETA protesters were having their big rally and they tossed like chunks of meat down at them? I think that was a PCU with Jeremy Piven. Uh, I, I believe in PETA. People eating tasty animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. That's not what you guys are all about? <laughs> Show up at the grill and a rack of ribs. Oh, man. That would be excellent. Excellent. <laughs> now, here's a question I have, and this is this is my department, so I, don't, I feel bad that I don't know this. I assume they have to get some sort of ordinance or something. A permit. Downtown. Um, if you want to show up at a protest that is not something you're for but be at the protest do you have to be can they kick you out of your protest no yeah no. you can counter protest that's a constitutional freedom so if they do all the work and get the permit you can show up and piggyback off their 
Now, oh, you that's know, great. Now, you know how local government works, though. Like, if you show up with, like, a hibachi and you're grilling out hot dogs and brats, they're going to say that you did not have a permit to cook, you know, and, like, oh, provide food services. Right. Did you get that approved from the Board of Health right. and all that kind but of stuff? But if I just wanted to ha- show up and eat a cooked steak... At the PETA protest. You can do that. I could do that. Yes. You could have a sign that says, I love meat, and just walk around with it. You can totally do that. Is it illegal to grill it, or is it illegal to sell it? Because if you're just giving out hot dogs... It, it would be illegal to sell it, but I'm sure somebody could find a reason why you can't grill it, whether it be considered a fire hazard yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. All right. So earlier we were talking about... What were we talking We were talking about Trump, and we were talking about how Trump... I think people have lost interest in Trump because it's like the band that keeps playing the same hit over and over and over again. And while there's people who love, you know, the big hits, uh, you're not going to sell out Gainbridge Fieldhouse consistently if you just have one great song. And I, I use this, the uh, Rick Springfield as an example of this. Like Rick Springfield could probably play the Vogue because there's enough 80s women who want to go sing Jesse's Girl that he you could fill that up and that's you know several several hundred people or whatever it is but he's not he's not selling out Gainbridge Fieldhouse so I will not tolerate the Rick Springfield slander that's <laughs> happening right here on these airwaves I will not stand for it because you're putting Rick Springfield like in the category of like right said Fred yeah. you know give Rick Springfield a little bit of credit here the dude's got more hits than you think because remember he did Carb Day last year and you might not remember all of the hits Rick Springfield the Carb Day? Yes. It was Rick Springfield and then the Kings of Chaos last Who? year. That super group. There was like Lita Ford oh. and Sebastian Bach and all those guys. That seems like a low list of people for Carb Day. Isn't it usually like Foreigner or Journey or somebody like that? But that was the show last year. Now, we've got a little montage of Rick Springfield hits, okay? Kevin, you can back me up on this. It's more than just Jesse's Girl, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen him twice, actually. What, and, you? Uh, yeah, I saw him twice in high school. Big fan. Uh, he's got some good deep cuts. All right, so let's play the little montage, and we'll see if Rob recognizes any of these songs. Ethan, you play along, too. Okay, Jesse's Girl. The signature song from Rick Springfield. The number one seed in his bracket. I've done everything for you, okay? Good song. Yep. Hit. Yeah. This is one of my favorite actual Rick Springfield songs. Really? Love somebody. Yeah, yeah. See, there's three right there. Yeah. Don't talk to strangers. This was a huge hit. Straight out of his uh, Dr. Drake, Noah Drake days right there. He, he also had uh, a song called Bruce, where it is all the women who mis- mistook him for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, good for him. They call me, Bru- and he just pretends to be Bruce Springsteen because, well, that's what the women wanted. But for you to put him in the category of like Dexy's Midnight Runners <laughs> and Right Said Fred and, you know, like Color Me Bad, you know, one or two hits, that's unfair. And I will not tolerate the slander on Mr. Springsteen. You know, there's a, that, I, I stand, I stand corrected, although I still think I stand behind the fact that he could do the Vogue, but he could not do, you could not put him at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Right. He's not selling out like Taylor Swift's stadiums, yeah. but he's a step above doing what some of those other bands are doing. What's the most you've ever, because next hour we're going to get into this Taylor Swift thing, which is oddly enough, just like the thing we saw with Bruce Springsteen, where these tickets are, you can't get them, and the ones you can get are a gajillion dollars. What's the most you've ever paid to go to a concert? See, 
I'm the bad guy to ask. Maybe ask Nigel this because I'm not a big concert guy. Like I'm more of a ball game yeah. guy. Um, because What's the most you ever paid for to go to a ball game? You ever bought a, like a Ooh. hot ticket? Yeah, uh, Tennessee and Florida SEC football oh, game. Yeah. This was a. About 2016, oh. when Josh Dobbs and everybody was uh-huh. there, and lower level, like loud, couldn't hear anything in, the, you know, at all. Probably about uh, 150 bucks a piece. <laughs> Nigel's here for 400 dollars oh. a piece for Tom Petty tickets to sit in box seats at Deer Creek. Wow! It was for it was for my wife's. I think it was for one like an anniversary for thing. For Tom Petty? Tom Petty. Oh yeah, worth every penny. I paid twenty five dollars to sit on the lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I had people bringing me beers all day long, and I had a ride too. So, so four hundred a ticket or four hundred total? No, four hundred a ticket. So eight hundred bucks for you and the missus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Saved up a month of money. She'd always wanted to see Tom Petty, and we made a night of it. And you probably spent that on beers too. So it was about a sixteen hundred dollar evening. <laughs> Hey, what's coming up this afternoon? Uh, you are. You oh, yeah, are going right. to come by our show and go completely off the rails. We've got to talk about this marriage bill and everything and in between. All right. More on the way. Coming up next, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC.